Picks After Dark Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. We are here on the season doing some California dreaming. And I'm out on the West Coast right now and uh, had a good time catching up with good friends. And I really wanted them to explain about moving from the East to West Coast. And today I have one of my special friends. And this is, this is a great one because uh, her and I have hung out. She was my wedding date a wedding date to a wedding out in California. Kelly, what's going on? What's going on? Thank you for having me. That's what's up. Kelly is originally from Massachusetts, right? Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Kelly, give us a little background about yourself and how you and I met because uh, it's been 20 years since we've known each other. I've been friends with Aaron for 20. Well, I don't want to say friends. Yes. That's loosely. We're going to loose, loose because you know what? I met Aaron in 1999, about 20 years ago. And I wouldn't say I exactly liked Aaron when I first met him. Um, I'd say that it was part of a bitchy girl squad. Mean girls. Mean, mean girls. girls. Mean girls. Mean girl squad. Mean. And, and, and I hope those girls are listening too. Oh, I hope they're listening too because they knew exactly who they are. <laughs> um, so Aaron and I went to college together at Syracuse. Cuse. Cuse. And I was, you know... I was in a little righteous girl group um, who was in interior design majors who, well, we took ourselves, I'm going to say pretty seriously. And we you know, took a painting class, sort of an elective. And I, I wouldn't say this was a serious painting class, like, you know, color wheels, that sort of, you know, gradients. Well, it was myself and Gucci. And Gucci. And Gucci was all, it was and Gu- two guys. And Gucci and two guys. Two guys and like, Two guys in a, a pod, a pod of mean girls. Yes, pod of mean. A pod of very, very mean girls. Correct, correct. And so you know, the pod of mean girls. You know, they come in. They we sit down at these long tables in this you know sort of you know artsy workshop type space. You know, we all sit together. Everybody gets there early. You know, early. Everybody has their seat. We're very orderly. We're you know we're doing our thing, and then you know this guy rolls in, you know, and his skinny sort of you know European friend you know rolls in. And they're sort of, you know, they're sort of the outsiders. So they, they kind of sit off to the, you know, themselves. But I remember you guys sat at the end of the table, like the very end and kind of like we're on looking like into the group, but like we would never exactly like accept you into the group. Well, you know, we were only two men in that class and we were like, all right, let's just make this happen. Now, remember it was a four hour class. It was long. It was a long. It was a lot of painting. It was a lot of painting. We would leave for like two hours. And come back to class. Oh, of course. And we would also like scoff at you for yeah, doing that. We would leave for two hours. God knows no God knows what we were doing in college at that time. But uh we left for a couple hours and then you guys will always give us dirty eye. We were not nice. We were not nice. So this is why But like we slowly started started to like you. It's crazy that that's how life works out. You know, because you, you guys were jokesters, and like at first we didn't like you because we didn't take painting class very seriously nobody at did. all. Nobody did. But we did. We did. We were very serious about it, which like now looking back on it, it was like, wow, it's a, it's a joke. It was not, it was life wasn't that hard. So to keep heeding though to the young people out there who maybe listen to this and who going to college, please don't take these classes seriously. It was not that hard. Because college is really not that serious. But I work at a college. Oh, sorry, I forgot. I, I do. I, I, I do. I, I didn't I want to do. say that. So I didn't want to say I do. I, I work at a college, but that's okay. So yeah. So now you get the podcast. I wanted Kelly to get a background of a little bit about me because a lot of people don't know too much about me and you know, or the people who do know me, that might be a little bit surprising or may or not, may or may not be. But yeah, I was an outlier uh, in, in this class. But 
you became one of our good friends. This is true. This is true. Because eventually like, we realized you were fun. You were funny. You moved in next to one of the, the mean girls. Yes, I did. Yes, and I did. And eventually we became part of the party crew. We did. I did. I definitely did become part of the party crew. This is true. And 20 years later. We're here. We're doing a podcast. We're doing a podcast. That's crazy. That's a beautiful thing. I love hearing that story. I, we were it, wedding days. We went to a wedding day. Yeah, I went to wedding in, in Newport Beach, Pebble Island. I remember that. We did. We yes, did. Yeah. So, so again, it's friendships for twenty years, and we're here now, sitting in Manhattan Beach, enjoying life and reminiscing, and that's a beautiful thing. And this is one of the things I really enjoy about this podcast is I want people to understand. You know, you may not be friends with somebody when you first meet them, but it takes time. It's patience, development, and things of those I never thought 20 years later I'd be hanging out with you and your wife and your baby. Right. Like, if you could have asked me on that, like, the first days of us ever meeting, never would have envisioned this. Uh, me neither. I thought you guys were whack, but that's all right, though. I, we thought we, we were whack, too. So, and I'm speaking for my girls. It's all good. Wait. This is 1999, folks, okay? So, you got to understand. It's 2019. There, 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 there's no cell phones. There's no social media. No, we had no cell phones. Yeah, so you Remember we used to like put our like away messages up on AIM. That was that. that that's real. That's real. That's Me too, Maggie's. That's a struggle. <laughs> that's a struggle. See, I said another Syracuse talk. So <clears throat> we're gonna bring it back in. So you got a little background, which is a beautiful thing, and I'm glad she did that. You live in California. How long you been living out here for? 14 years. And you're from Massachusetts. From Massachusetts. So when did you did you move out of here? So after you graduated from Syracuse, where did you go, and how did how did we get here? All right, so it's a weird, twisted sort of story. Okay. So I went back to Massachusetts and took a job uh, pushing cigarettes for Philip Morris. Okay. Yeah, which is a weird. You know, eventually got moved into their New York office. Never actually had a residence in New York. Lived at the Grand Hyatt, New York, sort of. I was one of those hotel people. Okay. You know, so New England was my region. So New York you were was my a home. cigarette pusher. I was a cigarette pusher, yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, you know. I, I, I just remember, learned remember those truth ads? Yes. Yeah, they used to like film those outside of our office. I just learned something new today. Like, the, I didn't know she did cigarette. She I did. Cigarette. Okay. I did. It was a great job, actually. Okay. Um, so anyway, while I was in New York, my dad was like, you know, you always want to do fashion. So... Why don't, you know, while you're down there, like, look into these Saturday courses at FIT, Fashion Institute of Technology, like, go down there and, like, look and see what you can do out of this. And I was like, you know, he kind of got, like, my wheels turning that, yeah, I probably would rather do that. And so I looked into the programs there. It wasn't really, like, my fit. And eventually, I guess the desire didn't die. And found a program in LA that fits somebody who had already had a degree in work experience. And I got enrolled in a program at FITM in downtown LA. Ironically, when the Hills was shooting, I went to college, I guess, with Lauren Conrad. And Okay, we're yeah. name dropping, but sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. A, little, a little name dropping. No, 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 not name dropping, but like I was Shit. there when facts, the- facts. Yeah, facts, facts, so facts. Was it, were um, you nervous to move from New York to LA? Well, I technically never lived in New York, but- But sorry, okay. But no, and here was the reason why. Because I knew when I went to L.A., I could always go back to New York. And I knew when I came to L.A., the program that I was going to be involved in was, depending on how quickly I finished and credits and all that stuff, was going to be nine months to a year. And before I even figured out if I hated it or loved it, it was going to be six months into it. And at that point, at most, I had six months left to complete it. And then I could always go back to New York and still work in fashion. 
So I knew I was either going to be in it or I had it, you know, I could just go, go back. So 14 years later, here I am. Wow. So I guess my thought is we all, me, you and I went both at the Syracuse University. And I know a lot of people who moved out to LA, San Diego, all that good stuff. Did you have that same network moving out here? I did. And what did they help you prepare to come out here or how did that work? I don't think anybody can prepare you to come out here. I think it was a big, huge eye-opening experience. It was like nothing like I had ever seen before. Um, I did, when I first got here, moved into a building with my old Syracuse roommate. I lived upstairs. She, she lived downstairs. But I think in terms of exploring the city and finding your own way, it's sort of a this kind of clusterfuck. I, 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 I guess I don't know how else to explain it. Like, you know, you're in your early 20s and you're here and you're, you're trying to do these things and you've got these big ideas and these big dreams and you're you're ready to come here and go do something. But I also didn't know anybody else who had done you know, I knew people who were in the entertainment space, but I didn't know anybody in the fashion space. So it was sort of navigating my own space for myself. Now, the, the school you went out here, what was the name of the school you went to out here again? Fashion you, Institute of Design and Merchandising. And you met somebody famous there? I did. Who was it? Lauren Conrad. Okay, okay. So was she in the class? Was she was she, in some classes, yeah. And they were taping the hills? They were taping the hills at the time. Nice, nice, nice. So I guess it's funny because I'm thinking... Now, when you're telling the story, I want to say, this is going to probably blow your mind. My friend whose wedding we went to got married in 2009. And I'm trying to retrack, trace the story. I was trying to remember when we went to that wedding. So it was 2009 and you moved out here in 2001. Six. Okay. My five, six, five. five. Okay. So I'm trying to figure out where were we connected on that spectrum of life right at this point. But he'll come to me sometime during this conversation. So We were only two or three years out of school at that point. So, yeah. So, everybody was still talking to everybody. And I don't think we had Facebook yet, did we? Yeah, we did. Uh, It was new. We had Friendster before that. Now we're really dating ourselves. And we had MySpace. (laughs) And I don't think we had apps in our phones. No, there were no apps. So, now we're really dating ourselves. So, we're really pretty much at this point just just on internet. There's no apps. There's no apps. Wow. Okay. Okay. So you're living out in LA. What things did you like when you first moved out here? What things did you not like? I think what I liked was it was this whole new world of, I guess this idea of like things and adventure. And it was, I could make anything out of this that I wanted to. And I could go network with people that I wanted to. And I could go, I just felt like anything was like sort of, yes, it was like this, it was this weird, impossible dream idea, but it, I was living one block below the Sunset Strip, which seems like a weird, again, this idea of LA, but that's, that's where I was. So it was in, I was in the thick of it. So at that point, nothing to me was untouchable and I could go I mean, sure, I was working sort of a crappy job in the fashion industry, but I also felt like I could make something of myself, too. It was very... 
And I think at that time too, and so the the people that I came out here with, which I'm still great friends with, a lot of them are, they're doing great things now. And they're, I think what, I think probably the best thing that I can say about LA at that time is there was this group of us who just showed up. Syracuse, non-Syracuse, who they're now big timers in the whatever field that they are in, but we we were kind of come ups. That's nice. Together, That's nice. we were nobodies, right? No, like nobodies together, and we sort of found these friendships and bonded together, and they're still my great friends. And the coolest thing about that is, is like we still help each other, but like, it's like, yeah, that's my cool friend who just worked on like an Oscar winning movie. Like that, I guess that's like the best thing that you can no, it's- get, get out of LA, but like, they're no different. And it's. I love, no, I love this. I love what you're saying here because a lot of people have this conception of, you know, I'm coming to LA. I'm going to make it happen right away. Uh, I'm going to become a star right away. I don't, and it takes time. No, no one did it. No, no, no one. And I still don't think I've done it. Like, I mean, I think there's a lot of things I can still do and a lot of us can still do, but we pulled each other through and like, we're still whatever any, wherever anybody is in their, their journey here, we still appreciate each other and love each other and help each other. And it's. Now, was there a real time while you were out here that, you wanted to move back to the East Coast? No. Wow. I was firm. Um, I'm going to say no. I lost my job several times. And I've heard that from many people today. Several times. Time. Yes. Several, several times. I was out of work several times. Um, I've had some setbacks several times. How does that handle? How do you handle your psyche as far as a lot of people say they're strong mentally, but you have to be really strong mentally to stay out here and knowing that you, you could always go back home, back to mass, but- what made you want to stay out here and keep on? I mean, I'm very fortunate that I have a wonderful family and, you know, my family would support me and my family, you know, if I needed to go home, they would take me back. Okay. So I am very fortunate in the sense that like, if things really turned ugly, I have, I have a place to go, but I, I don't want to go there. No. It's, it, it's, I want, you know, to succeed, to succeed. And, you know, I was out of work six months this year. The place that I was working folded. And it was really hard to find a new place to work. And, you know, I have a lot of credentials and a lot of things, but LA is also a very hard place because a lot of people here are very smart. They have a lot of great credentials. And it's it's a very, very competitive atmosphere. So it's basically finding your niche. You have to find your niche. And you you're not going to get a job from, you know, applying to one online. You're going to get a job from your network. And the key to success in LA is calling in your network. And I want to, I want that, I want people to understand what she's saying here. You know, we all can go on LinkedIn. We all can go on Facebook and we're not all, every job that I've had in my career is all about networking. And this young lady who is 2,000 miles from her family. Lost her job several times out here, but she networked, met with people. You know, some, some probably some days you didn't want to go, but you did because you know you had, you don't know who's who at the end of the day. 
Also, the great thing about LA is like people don't like to tell you who they are. You never know who you're, you know, standing next to in line. You don't know who the person, you know, at this networking function is. You you just don't know until you tell your story to them. It, you know, they may not reveal like their true colors about, you know, their position in life. And until you do, maybe they're like, well, I'm the head of whatever the other head of. Okay, great. I can help you. Wow. So it's. Yeah, and pe- I think people too, there's very few that arrived in LA with privilege. I don't want to say not privilege, but like with something giving to them. Like we, I think in LA you, you have to help each other. I think that's the biggest thing here is like you bring each other along. And I think it's like in friendships, like if the new person arrives in town, you bring them into a friend fold. If somebody's in need of a job, you introduce them to a connection. And I think that's, People understand that. So I think people are, yes, it may seem like a cold city, but I think people are also pretty open and willing and friendly. And, you know, if you, if you're willing to talk to people, well, people are willing to talk back and people are willing to help. Nice. Nice. Now I want to, I'm going to get a little bit, the subject a little bit lighter, a little bit lighter. Cause we're, we, you and I were talking earlier today and you had a, uh, an amazing story about the LA scene about, Oh, I can't wait. Uh, about dating. Oh, because I, oh. I feel like I feel like I need to hit the. Okay, okay. I feel yeah, like I, I, professionally, LA is great. Okay, dating. Because it's just bomb. Wanna, I want to give everybody the whole three hundred sixty degrees. You know, I want to give everybody you know the the real deal story and it's the social aspect of things. You were saying social aspect of things with dating men in LA. It's terrible. Okay. Expand on that, please, because our audience doesn't know this. Okay, so, you know, being a woman in her late 30s. Okay. Been in LA for 14 years. I've dated a lot of people, um, some significantly, some not. Um, I dated people who have, I guess... I, I guess I've run the gamut of dating. You know, people are notable names, people are not... And it's, it's a, it's a fucked up place to date. <laughs> can I say fucked up on this? I can say it. Can it's say a it. fucked up. It used to not be as fucked up, but people were still fucked up. <laughs> but like, you know, in terms of dating, it was like more normal. Um, Cause if you told me this story and you don't name any names. Oh, I, I didn't. I don't think I, I don't think I named a name to be this. We don't want to get sued on the show. No, no. So you dated a guy who told you. I'm not going. I'm not going to ruin the story. So no, don't ruin the story. Tell the story, and I just I feel like this story tops it off. Go ahead. All right. Should I give the full story part of the story? Part story. And then we're going to do a part story. We're going to do a part story on this. This Is a guy that had been dating approximately two months Um, prior to. I'm going to call it the last date that we ever went on. Um, he kind of, you know, butchered the last date, if you will, because he was late. He was, you know, running, you know, late from work. He was kind of a little aggro about the situation. However, this was a date that he had picked, but that's fine. We'll leave it at that. A few weeks prior, it was my birthday. There was a show that I had wanted to go to. I had mentioned buying tickets to the show a few weeks before had nothing to do with my birthday. I would have bought the tickets for myself. You know, I don't need a man to buy me things. 
you know, but he's like, no, no, don't get the tickets on my birthday. I bought you the, you know, I got us the tickets. Great. Wonderful. So the evening of the date, you know, after he shows up 40 minutes late, I'm sitting there alone at the place that we're, we're at. And after he said, he picked me up the whole bit. I Uber there alone. I order a glass of wine. He gets mad that I'm sitting there drinking alone, which is also an ego thing on his part, but whatever. Um, I ask him what the plan is for the, you know, the following evening going to the show. He goes, well, I didn't get the tickets. So well, what do you mean you didn't get the tickets? You told me you, you got them for my birthday. Yeah, I just didn't get them. Like very you know, egocentric, like, you know, kind of a jerk. Mm-hmm. And at that point, mm-hmm. my feelings are kind of hurt because, again, I don't need a man to buy me something. I would have bought tickets myself and taken a friend. But also I was hurt because somebody told me they had, were going to do something nice for me. And it was just sort of this letdown. And, it, and it, I guess it's sort of this weird, you know, this weird dating situation in LA at this point that it's like, never expect too much. So, okay. I I kind of expressed my disappointment, but I'm like, but also let's like rewind. This guy had also been giving me some anxiety leading up to this. So I was maybe going to break up with him or not, but I hadn't made a decision yet. So So he was already suspect. He was already suspect. So we leave, we leave, you know, the place that we're at, we're walking to the car, which he used to like to talk about what car he liked a whole lot. You know, I mean the car he drove a whole lot, which I really didn't care. And he literally turns to me because he used to talk about, you know, how smart he was and important he was. And he goes, you know, I, you know, somebody like, and I don't think I told you the first part of this because we were in a bar and drinking. He goes, I don't think Elon Musk or Steve Jobs would be in a place like that tonight. Meaning, you know, spending a Friday night out drinking. Okay. And I was like, okay. He goes, well, you know. I just think that's a waste of time. He goes, because you know what? I have a mind like Elon Musk and Steve Jobs. <laughs> I'm, you know, just, just elevated. My mind is elevated. And truly the only response I had back to that is I, I turned to him on the sidewalk, like to And I laughed in his face right. and I've never actually laughed in anybody's face, but I don't even know where this came from. But I, it, it spilled out of me, and it was like, and he was so mad. But who, to, who calls himself Elon Musk and a mind with Steve Jobs? I think he thought he was really special. I mean, this guy was an. You're fine. He was he was an investment banker, but he's no more special than any anybody else. I'm not gonna lie. I am. I'm laughing deep down silence pod because it's just funny. It's funny. It's ridiculous. Like I literally laughed in this guy's face (laughs) and I was like, okay, that's fine. Like you probably make more money than me, but like, let me know the next time like you, you know, launch and land a rocket because (laughs) uh, I'm pretty sure you, you can't do that. And let me know when you invent Apple also. Yeah. Like you can't. And (laughs) Okay. Yeah. This and with that, we never spoke again. The dating scene in LA is atrocious. Sounds like to me. Am I, am I off by that? It's horrible. It's the worst. So, so we did a couple different things today. We talked about moving out to LA, and we gave you social aspect of the dating scene, and just not from one, two, three, but four or five people have told me this, and uh, I just want to give you a well-rounded interview. Of everybody knowing what's going on out here. And, my near dear friend who was my 
I guess frenemy back in college. No, it was a short-lived frenemy. All right, short-lived frenemy, but it's none beloved, and I appreciate you coming on the pod, the No Picks After Dark podcast, the second season of California Dreaming. Thank you for showing up and hanging out. Thank you.